All right, welcome everybody to an extra bonus episode here of the Mission Control Astros podcast coming to you about nine o'clock Saturday night we're recording. So the Diamondbacks have opened up a large lead early driven Kershaw out of that game. We don't have a result there yet, but we're going to focus on the Astros. Um, and earlier today, of course, a six to four victory game one win over the Twins. Justin Verlander, shaky early first two innings. Uh, throws as many balls as strikes, couple walks. You felt like he was really tiptoeing through danger, but settled down nicely innings three through six, gets through six and under 95 pitches. Um, and then some real uh, fireworks for the Twins almost immediately against Hector Neris in the seventh. Uh, four runs allowed, back-to-back home runs. And Abreu comes in, um, gets a little trouble himself, but uh, just electric, highest velocity we've seen from him in a while. Um, and then Presley to close it out. And that's good enough because Jordan Alvarez puts two home runs on the board. Jose Altuve starts the game with a home run. Um, you get an RBI single from Chaz McCormick. You get Jose Abreu in there. Um, everybody except Maldonado had a hit and had a hit in the first six innings. Um, so, you know, that's clearly the recipe. If if they're eight strong in the lineup, Maldi is less important. Um, and Verlander, six shutout innings, up one nothing. A uh, couple things to think about. We're going to go to Aiden here and bring him in. First of all, uh, a lot of pitches on Abreu, um, 29 pitches out of the pen. Neris got wrecked, um, didn't throw quite that many, but I believe he's in the low 20s. Um, and so you, you go into tomorrow, and the Twins didn't exactly line this up like they had to win game one by going with Bailey Ober. They've got their top two starters in the next two games, Pablo Lopez here at Minute Maid tomorrow night at 7. And then uh, after the day off, it'll be Sonny Gray uh, fully rested in Minnesota for game three. From Valdez, obviously extremely rested. We'll be starting game two here tomorrow. In terms of the bullpen, I mean, Aiden, you know, I I would say, obviously, we're very excited to have the win. I want your thoughts on what you like today. But um, Abreu available, Neris available. It's the playoffs. Obviously, they're available. But Kendall Graveman, not on the roster. Um, They only went with 12 pitchers in the end. So they're a little thin to begin with. Feels like we're heading to... Very high leverage Phil Maton tomorrow uh, if this is a close game. But thoughts first on what you saw today and, and looking to tomorrow. Yeah, awesome win. Um, I think it was a much more important game for the Astros than the Twins. I think that narrative may, might get a little blown out of proportion. It's, it's game one of a five-game playoff series. It's tremendously important for both teams. Um, but I think you see the Twins comfortably in the driver's seat if they do take this game because of the, how the pitching shakes up the rest of the way. So obviously credit to Verlander for asserting the pitching advantage that we uh, expected. And um, obviously Neris was a little bit shaky, but Abreu and Presley um, closed the door when needed. Um, and all in all, a great win. I thought a well-managed game by Dusty Baker. Um, I said on the last episode that um, if there are three guys I will live by and die by in the postseason, it's Neris, Abreu, and Presley. 
Obviously, if there are two of those, it would be Presley and Abreu, but Neris earned to the right to be in that in that group. And um, the Astros almost died by Neris today, but but they didn't. And um, you take the win, and um, it feels also just good losing with a player who you know you can still rely on going forward. Um, even a guy like Verlander, if Verlander came out and and was shaky, I think you'd feel a little less confident in in him down the road for good reason. That might not be, but um, regardless, I think because you have. Uh, a guy who's so trusted, just not have his best stuff today. Um, I mean, he was a pitch away from getting out of uh, a jam that he worked nicely to get around in the first place, um, and then he just didn't have it at the end. It All in all, it's something that you're okay swallowing. Um, you know, even if the Astros ended up losing that game because Presley or Abreu also faltered, I would not have uh, been all that, uh, I mean, you know, disappointed because it's a playoff loss, but, um, you know, those are guys you're okay losing with approach-wise. Um, obviously, the bats showed up. Um, that's what happens when you have a lineup with um, seven supposedly above average hitters and two guys at the back end who I guess are capable, although one obviously more than the other. Um, they did damage today. Um, and, yeah, I think you get a lineup where once these guys are producing, you see it's the same recipe as they had last year. Just better offense than, than the, the other team could could muster against the pitching. And um, you take those wins any day of the week. I think this was a pretty standard Astros playoff win, um, you know, much more than such like a, you know, 11-10 or a, a World Series, 2017 World Series Game 5 type of win. Um, and that's great. I think you feel confident with that recipe. Obviously, they used a lot of the bullpen, the three biggest bullpen arms by a mile. Those arms become even bigger now that Graveman's not on the roster. Um and obviously they become also pretty big given that the Astros still don't really have a clear fourth starter. I mean, the Twins have their pitching pretty much lined up the rest of the way. I know they probably don't feel great about against about, about Joe Ryan in Game 4, um, but he is an option that is pretty clearly ahead of whatever the Astros could throw out in Game 4 unless they do decide to give Verlander the ball on short rest, which in my opinion does seem to be the optimal approach, at least at this point. Um, hopefully we don't get to a Game 4, but obviously you have to exhaust all, all possibilities. Um, but regardless, um, those three bullpen guys really did show up today. At least two of them did, but they, they all threw significant pitching, uh, pitches. Um, and you get now to a game two where if you don't get the length from Framber Valdez, I think you're exactly right. You do now have Phil Maton and maybe Rafael Montero, um, and hopefully not Stanek, but, 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 but maybe Stanek throwing some not insignificant pitches. Um, I think Neris, Abreu, and Presley are all available, but I don't think you can get to a case where, um, you know, Fromber's pitch count is in the in the upper 90s after five that you can just take it the rest of the way with those three guys like maybe you could have today if that was the case with Verlander. So a bit of a challenge ahead. Um, I think we saw what we expected out of the Twins. Um, definitely some swing and miss in that lineup. I mean, they're the highest K rate in baseball this year. Um, right. But that said, they also tied for the American League lead in home runs. Um, and uh, when you do allow base runners, you are susceptible to bad outings when the other team can hit home runs. It's a very simple concept um, that I think I personally worry about a bit more with a guy like Framber Valdez than I do with Justin Verlander, who, you know, Framber is a little more prone to base runners um, than Verlander is. But, um, I mean, we saw with Verlander, game looks a lot different if the Twins don't ground into two double plays in the first two innings. Um, I don't think I can sit here and say the Astros were comfortably the better team today. Um, but in the end, at the end of the day, this is the playoffs, and we can't be focusing too much on predictiveness. I think this is a, a win that needs to be celebrated. And, um, you know, I think the Astros are now in the driver's seat 
um, even psychologically, where uh, these are now must-win games for the Twins, and that that to a new coming playoff organization, um, that might be something that they're not ready to handle, especially against uh, a left-handed starter who is, clearly matches up well against a left-handed heavy lineup. I mean, I don't even know what the Twins lineup will yep. look like tomorrow if they do go with Julian or Wong or Kirilov. I think we'll see Kepler in there, but they have right-handed options like Solano. We didn't see him today. We saw Willie Castro today. We didn't see Kyle Farmer today. Um, but they have options to replace those guys. So um, it remains to be seen. I see and I expect to see those left-handed hitters regardless, whether it's in the seventh inning, eighth inning, after Fromber leaves the game. But um, the, the, this is not a lineup that uh, matches up all that well against Fromber. And I think the Astros really do need to take advantage, not only in quant- quality of yep. pitches, but also quantity of pitches. Yeah, so a couple things here. Um, you know, agree with what you said there. Um, I think this is one of those games that's cliche, but – both pitching staffs were a little bit shaky. There were jams that needed to be escaped. The difference is one team had Jordan Alvarez. And Jordan Alvarez, you bring in your lefty and you think you're going to keep it at a one-run game. Um, not to say it would have gone any differently. 5-4 versus 6-4, we don't know. But obviously the earlier home run was even more consequential. So we'll be happy to employ Jordan another five seasons. But tomorrow, here's the concern. Okay, we're just pivoting it ahead a little bit. Let's say you do get six innings, 100 pitches out of Fromber. I don't think you want to push him too hard because he'll be on normal rest for game five. And if it's a scenario where you use Verlander game four, you would use Fromber game five. And, and so I, I don't think they're going to throw 120 pitches on him here. That said, I agree with you. The lefties are probably going to come off the bench, at least a couple of them for Minnesota. I think Solano is probably going to start over Kirilov over at first. Um, you could see... Julian on the bench, Polanco shifts from third to second, and uh, Farmer plays third, right? So you could could see a lineup with a couple righties in there and a couple less lefties. The issue here is if Fromber gets in trouble, say it's five and two-thirds and they've got two on, two out, whatever, typically the guy Dusty goes to is Phil Maton. I I, I don't think he's going to try to get four outs out of Neris tomorrow. Will he try to get one out out of Neris? If it's the sixth or seventh inning and a two-on, two-out situation, Neris threw 18 pitches today, Abreu threw 29, but Neris's 18 did not go so well. There were two home runs in there. So my, here's my problem. Maton was absolutely obliterated by left-handed hitters this year. It is across the board. It's in the batted ball data. It's in the contact quality. It's in the um, walk-to-strikeout ratio stuff. Maton was almost unhittable to righties this year. I mean, I think he had like a 450 OPS allowed, one home run all season, and the same number of plate appearances. Contact quality, very strong from a pitcher's point of view. But, you know, in the old days, Maton used to have this funky fastball that lefties really couldn't square up, and his off-speed played off of it. It didn't happen that way. And if Kyle Farmer's coming up in a big spot and Maton comes in the game, He's going to see Walner or Julian or Kirilov off the bench. And that is a flashing red light matchup tomorrow. You do not want that matchup in a big spot. It, it's one of your, weast, uh, your, your weakest possible um, scenarios is to be in a high leverage situation with Maton against one of their three lefties coming off the bench. So that worries me a little. Obviously, Dusty has the ability to plan for that. They've got the data. They've got the pitching coaches looking at it. Um Really, the guy you'd go to on paper is one of two guys. Either Stanek, 
who we don't love for a lot of reasons. He, you know, he was lucky last year. His luck ran out somewhat this year. Or we have to talk about Hunter Brown because Montero wasn't great on lefties either. It wasn't great against anybody this year. But I guess my question to you here, Aiden, is if you're in a high leverage spot and they've got a couple righties coming up for the third time against Fromber, who's, you know, up around 95, 100, 105 pitches, and it's a three to three game. And, you know, it's not like he's throwing a no hitter, so you're going to get him out. Who do you go to knowing that those lefties are lurking on the bench if you've got Solano and Farmer coming up 7-8 behind Correa or whatever it is? Um, you got to be careful, right? If you go for a good right-on-right matchup, you're going to get the lefties. Yeah, it's a tough call. Can I ask, who has, I guess, like last mover's advantage? Is it? I assume it's is it the hitting team who can basically – Bring in the because what's stopping the Astros from saying, you know, oh, you yeah, brought you in Edward Julian now? We'll... Yeah, you can burn a hitter, you, can... you can't burn a pitcher, right? So, so it's always going to be the offense who can technically move last once they bring right. in a guy like Mayton, he has to stay in the game. Yeah, I mean, for that reason, I think these Fromber starts where you're not getting a lot of lefty hitters against a team that has a lot of lefty hitters and thus will be relegating a lot of them to the bench in this specific game. Mayton's probably the last guy you can really feel comfortable bringing in just because they can just throw um, a herd of lefties at him um, in any given inning and in any given high leverage spot. So um, yeah, that's a concern. Um, I mean, you can look at a guy like Stanek who, you know, Stanek is better against lefties. He's not all that much better against righties than Neris is, sorry, than Maton is against lefties. Um, but the Twins' righties are worse hitters, so you feel better about like a Stanek versus Farmer than you do about a Maton versus Walner or Julian. Um, and we should also point out here, if they have, let's say, Lewis and Correa batting 4-5, you probably can go to Maton because they're not going to pinch hit for Lewis and Correa. Right. You're going to get correct, your right-on-right right matchup there. Correct. But, but the, that's the only, in other words, the only case where you do feel comfortable or you do feel like they're not going to pinch hit for their guys is when it's their best hitter. So, um, yes, you feel good about Maton versus those guys. But, um, I mean, Maton will either be facing the lefties of the Twins or the best hitters on the Twins. So, uh, need a lot from Phil Maton if we do see him. But, yes, I mean, Maton, uh, right-handed hitters this season had a 199 Woba. Um, just for reference, um, I can check this right now. Um, but Martin Maldonado on the season had a... Um, had a two six six Woba. So Martin Maldonado as a hitter is miles better than how right-handed hitters performed against Phil Maton this season. Um, so yes, you feel great about him against any righties. That's why it kind of drives me crazy that he's such he's the or he's the get out of a jam like mid inning kind of guy because he so clearly has a better usage. I mean, obviously some of that comes against right-handed hitters, um, but there's so clearly a better spot for him. Um, it almost just feels like he's like that's like Dusty's go-to like fourth best reliever kind of thing where you know you have the seventh inning guy, you have the eighth inning guy, you have the ninth inning guy. What else needs to be there? And I said this when Graveman got traded. It feels like your Graveman's um, if he's not going to be one of those seven, eight, nine inning guys, and he's going to be high leverage. So the only alternative is to enter with base runners on and, and high leverage spots. And obviously, you know, Graveman had a bit of that home run issue that you weren't thrilled about. Um, I think Maton's also susceptible to that for some, uh, at least at some points. Um, but that said, um, hopefully this is too niche of a scenario to to end up costing the Astros too much in win probability. Um, I think it does 
uh, not really affect them all that much. But if we do get to this point, I think Dusty will be put to the test. Um, I think we saw, I mean, the Phillies game, for example, um, the Phillies used Dominguez, Hoffman, Alvarado. Like the Phillies have a pretty loaded bullpen. They use all those guys before the seventh inning. And then we're yeah. left with Orion Kirkering, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, a guy who's thrown four career innings to pitch in a 2 nothing game in the seventh inning and to start the eighth inning. That's a four inning guy, a career, four innings in his MLB career. Like I think that would give Dusty Baker some sort of uh, reaction that I don't think he's he's capable of handling, and maybe honestly to, for good reason. But um, you get to now this point where the Astros would never do that. I mean, you're not seeing yeah, a guy look, like the Abreu got before. Three and two thirds. They got three and two thirds out of Suarez today, and basically right. just pretended it was six and two thirds. Yeah, 100%. And then they were like, oh, we'll figure out these later. And it's like, and that's the right approach for what it's worth. I mean, if, if there's right. one thing that managers I don't think understand, and I think Dusty's the, the perfect example of this, is that runs in the fourth inning and the fifth inning and the sixth inning count the same as runs in the seventh inning, the eighth inning, and the ninth inning. Um, obviously, it's there might be some sort of pressure aspect to pitching in the ninth inning that only Ryan Presley can understand. But, you know, regardless, that's that's a conversation for, for a different point. Um I think the, the Astros will be put to the test. I mean, I do expect, I almost expect Fromber to be even more of a workhorse than Verlander, at least from Dusty's perspective, just given his youth. Um, but uh, yeah, I think if we don't see a, a lengthy inning from Fromber innings-wise, we might get put into some some tough spots. No, I agree. I think it's very likely tomorrow. Um, Dusty's going to know they're going to go to the lefties if he goes to Maton, and I think his only move would be to go to Maton. So I think what you're going to end up seeing him do is really push Fromber. There'll be one of those looked into his soul, you know, Dusty comes out but doesn't make a change while Maton is ready kind of things because he doesn't want yeah. them to flip he doesn't want them to flip the platoon uh, on him. So he has Fromber face Farmer when he's cooked and that's probably the right move there. And, and I'd rather have Fromber against Farmer than Kiriloff against Maton in that spot. Um yeah. so anyway agreed. That's that's the pitching side tomorrow and um, offensively, I mean, there's not a lot to say. We, you know, if Brantley is healthy and being treated as if he's healthy, um, and Dusty's going to play him, it's really just waiting to see if there's a spot to hit for Maldonado in the eighth or ninth inning. Other than that, there's almost yeah. nothing happening. They did. I did interesting was, Good. I think I think we might be referring to the same thing, but the pregame quote about Brantley and Yiner. No, I didn't hear it. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, the pregame quote, I think Dusty said that he was initially when he, when he, if he expected, if Joe Ryan was starting, I think we would have seen Yiner at DH today, um, but he liked the matchup with Ober better. Um, that truthfully did not make very much sense to me. Um, I'll double check this now, but I'm pretty sure both Ober and Ryan are pretty standard, like fastball, curveball, slider, changeup guys. Um, to the point where I don't, yeah, or I guess Joe Ryan throws a splitter, so that may, that makes a bit of a difference, I guess. Um, I don't know why Yiner uh, is more capable of. I would just splitters. chalk that up to Dusty um, saying, "Really wanted to play Yiner, guys. If it had just broken yeah. differently, you know, but I, I don't trust him at so, all." So, really would have yes, right. And but my question here is, we're probably going to see Joe Ryan. Um, if we see a game four, I think he's the guy. Now. I guess don't do remind us uh, what he said in game one because he's not, right. He's not, do we see? Uh, oh, sorry, we can't. We need you, Brantley, to cover the large Minnesota outfield. I don't even know how if it's that much larger, but but like, are we seeing that uh, he doesn't trust Jordan to there? So we need to see Brantley. Like, he'll reverse I'm very, very, right. I'm very curious to see if uh, 
if he if we actually do see Yiner in that case. I mean, honestly, in a game four, if it's not Verlander or Fromber and it might be France, then maybe we see Yiner behind the plate, in which case he he he, he dodges a bullet there anyway. So um, well, hopefully we, we don't even get to a game four. But hey, um, if you're up two one, if you're up two one, France is on the mound, and you have your sort of death lineup out there because there's no Maldi, and you've got Yiner and Brantley against Joe Ryan. Hey, go for it. Um, yeah. But okay, All so well. one other thing today, very quickly before we go, um, just have a funny moment. We'll just end on it. Brantley gets a hit late in the game. Was it eighth, seventh, and no, I think it was bottom seven, single, and I think it was, after it was eight. On, hold on. Okay. I think it was eight because uh, it was right after Abreu got thrown out to end the seventh. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was the eighth. And he doesn't run for him. Brantley then steals second. And then he runs for him, which is, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, you I, I'm get not, this, you I know juice Dubon's, up the career stats of Michael Brantley. <laughs> yeah. I know Dubon's coming in for defense. So obviously you can run for Brantley. But was the theory there that they wouldn't expect Brantley to steal, so they'd get to some sneak attack steal first before they go to Dubon? But anyway, and pour one out for Jake Myers, who is, I don't know how he's going to participate in this series, but uh, it's pretty clear Dubon is going to be the defensive replacement in center, which is, I mean, metric-wise, supposedly Myers' glove more than cancels out um, Dubon's arm, but we're going to see Dubon out there. So Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure Myers is both faster and better defensively than Dubon. Um, I think Dubon has Myers as a hitter. I don't think there's that much debate, at least right. from my my point of view. So they, there is a spot for Dubon. If you're pinch hitting between the two, you, 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 you choose Dubon. But for the two things that they used him for, yeah, I think you prefer Myers there. But Again, hopefully we're just debating too low impact things to actually matter. I think we're grateful that Dubon didn't get a start. Um, Dusty, I think, tried to defend using Chaz a little bit, which I'm not sure why he was pressed about it, other than to ask why maybe he used the personal center fielder in the first place and didn't in the postseason. Um, I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to see Dubon catch Verlander in the postseason, or sorry, starting center field for uh, with Verlander in the postseason. But um, this gets back to my original point where. Uh, the division race was too close to be doing things in the regular season that you wouldn't do in the postseason, like give a, yeah. a pitcher a random personal center fielder. I think we're glad it worked out, but um, I, I would be a lot more frustrated um, if the Astros, say, lost the division by one game, and then we see uh, Chaz start in center field for Verlander's first start, and it's like, wait, why would we do that in the division race that we clearly just lost? So it worked out. I mean, a lot of things worked out. Looked like the Graveman trade actually worked out, even though he's not available right now. Looks like the Verlander right. trade has worked out so far. I mean, much different spot without Verlander. Who knows if we're even playing baseball right now without Verlander. So and bottom line um, is, if Seattle wins one more game head-to-head with us, we fall from two to seven. We were right. one so, head-to-head loss to Seattle from two to right. seven. And Verlander delivered like one of the best starts of his career against Seattle just right. uh, about a week ago. So um, hindsight... Astros have crushed it, um, but a lot, still a lot to be done. And um, the big stages where d- decisions get exposed in a, uh, under the, the national lights. So uh, I think we'll be seeing a lot of that, hopefully playing more national, uh, nationally spotlighted games. Um, but can't complain right now. All is, all is well for the Astros. Yeah, and that'll do it for us. A great win today. And as Aiden said, it's not so much to nitpick. It's just to try to say, hey, what are some of these kind of hopefully – you know, ticky-tack things that won't matter, but that really could. And I think the things tomorrow are, is Maton going to be the primary sort of middle to late inning stopper guy and see a bunch of lefty pinch hitters? Um, 
And then I, I think second to that, of course, is how long is the leash on Fromber and what kind of matchups does he put in? But they just need Fromber to pitch. They need him to go two and a half to three times through the opposing lineup and, and deliver. So, all right, we'll uh, talk to you again on the off day. We won't come right after tomorrow night because it's a late game and they have Monday off, but uh, hopefully with a two nothing lead. Oh, and quickly just want to, you know, look here so we can have the most up-to-date stuff on the record. It is eight, nothing in the top of the yeah, second. Base is loaded or nine. Base now, is out. Nine I mean, now. this can hurt. if you're the Dodgers and you've got to use your whole pitching staff here. I know, obviously, some of those just to take... carry Emmett Sheehan the rest of the way, or not the rest of the way, but but uh, for the a long nuts. time. If he, unless he, unless he still gets is getting a hit, um, yeah, it has to feel good. Um, if you're the Diamondbacks, I know the NLCS is structured so that uh, you don't need that, that your game one starter could pitch game four on full rest. Gotta wonder if they're thinking about pulling Merrill Kelly here. Um, yeah, I don't know if they'll they'd pull the trigger, but I know that if I've, I think they have two high leverage guy arms, like two guys they feel comfortable starting big games. I don't know if I want one of them pitching meaningless innings like this. So uh, we were talking about it, I think, on the last episode, uh, whether this yep. is something that managers should do. Definitely is the answer here. I think if game four is a short rest start, it would be an absolute no brainer. Managerial amount of practice not to do it, but. Um, I'm curious to see what they do. I think it's a lot uh, interesting case. And uh, yeah. And from the Astros point of view, I mean, I tweeted this right before we came on. You really can't have a better day than Rangers, Astros, Phillies, Diamondbacks. I mean, that's, that's the way you wanted to start it. I mean, the, the Astros are clearly the best of those four teams. So um, yeah, the I mean, on FanDuel Sportsbook right now, the Astros uh, have the, are the World Series favorite at plus 340. So um, not gambling advice by any means, but definitely something to be excited about. Um, All right. And, and do you we'll think, back to you. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I just do think people maybe including myself should be giving the Rangers a little bit more credit, um, especially now it was announced that there's a real chance Scherzer makes it back for the ALCS. Um, Got to wonder if maybe Baltimore is the, the, the ideal rooting interest there. Um, but it's very it's very close, um, and the Astros will absolutely be the betting favorite over either one of them. So um, worth keeping an eye on there. Um, I don't think it's clear either way. I actually do probably now lean towards rooting for the Orioles. Also, extending the series would help. Um, but, yeah, a lot to be uh, unpacked there. But um, undeniably a fantastic day to be an Astros fan. For sure. And I think in that series, whoever's up 2-1, you probably root for the other team to win game four and just try to take it the distance um, in the other division series. All right. Go Astros tomorrow night, and we'll talk to you again uh, on Monday.